Well, this morning we're going to conclude our series, our Pathways series, about um, knowing God and making Him known. And we're going to conclude with a little bit more of information on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, or if you have it on, on your phone or a tablet, whatever you may have with you, I want you to open to the book of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we have the key verse about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that often happens when we, when we read this verse is that we tend to read it in isolation and not see how from this verse, from this command that God gives us, flows everything about our life. Our worship, our relationships, the work that we do, everything is connected to this command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And my prayer today is that the Lord will speak that into our hearts in a fresh and powerful way and we will desire to be filled. We will pursue being filled. We will examine anything in our heart and our life that we need to let go of so that the Lord can make our hearts fully His home. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time to be together as Your family, as Your body to worship you. Well, we thank you for the presence that you have already visited us with. Thank you for the Holy Spirit coming in our midst. Thank you for the opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ from all across the world to lift up the name of Jesus, to raise our hallelujah, praise the Lord to you. So Lord, I pray that in this moment as we examine your word, Lord, we lay down our understanding, our ideas, our preconceptions. And Lord, we ask that you would speak, that you would teach us. I ask that you would let me get out of the way. And Lord, that we would hear from you, that I would hear from you in a fresh and wonderful way. Lord, so that we can fully follow you on the path of worship. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room. I thank you for them. I thank you that those gathered here are here on purpose. I thank you for those who are watching online. And Lord, you know exactly where they are. The questions that they have, the things that they're wrestling with, the dreams that are in front of them. Lord, would you speak to each and every one of your children this day, we pray. In the great and mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Every believer is designed and commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's an aspect that so often within the church, because there are some misconceptions, misunderstanding, and because of neglect, that often we tend to be confused about what that really means. And my prayer today is that the Lord will teach us what that means about his presence and how we can respond to him. So let's, let's go, first of all, here to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. Here's what it says. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Remember, we're on this pathway about knowing God and making him known. And right here he's telling us, this is the way that you are to walk. This is how to do my will. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. You know, this was written 2,000 years ago 
And yet it is so applicable to us today. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's telling us, oftentimes we have questions, God, what is your will for my life? Right here, he's gonna tell us. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is riotous or debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's God's will for you and me. Right in the center of it. That's his plan for our life because his will is to make us more and more like Jesus and it's the Holy Spirit who does that within us. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, look what happens in the next part. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence and respect for Christ. It's an incredible passage right there about how to live in God's will. And the center point is being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me draw just a few observations and then we're gonna, we're gonna dig into this a little, a little deeper. First of all, we see here that it's very, very clear from God's word that it is his will that you and I be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if you've, neglected that, never thought about that. God's trying to get your attention right now to say, this is my desire for you. Secondly, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He will overflow into blessing the lives of others, into building up their faith, resulting in thanksgiving, worship, and praise to the Lord. One of the reasons why when we gather together as the church that we do musical worship as well as, as prayer and the preaching of, of the word, all those are elements of worship. And they're designed for us to exalt Jesus Christ but also to build up one another. And so when we come to church, there should be joy in the house of the Lord because he is here. And as we sing to the Lord, we also sing to one another in order to strengthen our faith and encourage each other. Thirdly, it's very important to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who enables you and I to submit to one another out of love and reverence for Christ. Do you realize that that is an expression of worship? That when we submit to each other, in other words, when we honor one another, when we put the needs of others, the desires of others, the interests of others above our own, we are honoring the Lord. We're showing reverence to Him. And then fourthly, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, the church is unified and Jesus is glorified. Those are just some initial observations. But, but what is the filling of the Holy Spirit like? There's a mystery that comes with this. There, it's hard for us to get our, our understanding around how the Spirit of God can come within us and, and what that's like within us. And so I want to give some, some simple illustrations that I hope will help us come to a greater understanding. First of all, the filling of the Holy Spirit is like a river filling its banks and directed by an unseen current. When you look at a river, you see that power that is there, that is flowing, and it's channeled in different directions as it, as it meanders through the landscape. A course has been set for that river to flow. That's what the Holy Spirit does. 
is he fills us with his presence, with his life, and he directs the course of your life and my life to accomplish God's will. He does it in a beautiful, wonderful way. John chapter 7, Jesus talks about this. He uses this kind of an illustration, and he says this in, in verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Remember, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because as he went away and ascended back to heaven, the Holy Spirit came. So that God could not only be in flesh, where we could see him and understand what he had done in the person and work of Jesus Christ, but now he could live within us. Now this imagery that Jesus is using when he talks about this river comes from the Old Testament. It comes from the celebration of tabernacles, but it comes specifically from the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 47. And I'm not going to take the time to read it, but I'll, there, there's some verses there on the screen. And you can look it up later, but it, it talks about a river flowing out of the temple of God in heaven. And, and each of us, our life is designed to be a model of that temple where the Holy Spirit is flowing out of us like a river that brings refreshment and life to people around us. Do you realize that's God's design for your life? That, you know, think about the people around you. If you were to imagine their need, the hurts and the struggles that they're going through as a thirst, God has called you and I to bring refreshing living water of Jesus Christ to quench their thirst. That's our call. That's our mission and our purpose. Isn't that a great privilege that God invites us to do that? And so the first thing is, is that the Holy Spirit is like a river that brings refreshment, it, it directs the course of our life, and overflows into blessing in others. But secondly, not only does it guide and direct us, but the work of the Holy Spirit, in, in a sense, is like a sponge. Um, and I love this picture. Uh, if you go to the next slide that's there, the filling of the Holy Spirit, uh, next, that one. Yeah, because I, I love that one. You know, I mean, look at this cute little girl there. She's, she's helping mom do the dishes. But, you know, she's filling up her sponge there with water. And what happens when a, when a sponge is filled with water? The water permeates every part of the sponge. It fills it to overflowing capacity. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and my life. He wants to fill us completely with his presence, to saturate every aspect of our being. This means that he is designed to permeate your relationships. That's why in the passage that we read in the beginning, in Ephesians chapter 5, the very next verses after submitting to one another talk about relationships between husbands and wives, talks about relationships between parents and children, talks about relationships in the workplace between an employer and an employee, and all those are designed to be absolutely permeated by the filling of the Holy Spirit. So we need to understand that being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't just about 
going out and witnessing, as important as that is, that is absolutely huge for us to do. It's not just about us worshiping together. You and I need the Holy Spirit to be all that God designs us to be. We need the Holy Spirit to do our work. Whatever your work is, maybe it's in design, maybe you're, um, you're, you do research, or maybe you're a teacher, all those things God wants to give and use his Holy Spirit to permeate your life and your work in such a way so that it not only enables you to do the work that you're called to do, but to overflow into the lives of others. He is to permeate everything we do. And when he does, everything that we do, every task that we perform, from the smallest thing, the most ordinary thing, like washing dishes, to the greatest task of sharing Christ with others, is powered by the Holy Spirit. And with that comes incredible joy. That's the other aspect and idea of the sponge. It is when the Holy Spirit fills your life, you will be filled with joy, no matter what your circumstances. Because here's what happens. If you think about that imagery of a sponge, I mean, what we often do with a sponge is that we take that sponge and we go clean up a mess, right? That's, that's what you use a sponge for. But what happens when you squeeze that sponge is whatever's on the inside comes out and covers over and cleanses the mess. That's what the Holy Spirit is designed to do. When we go through trials and difficulties and hard circumstances, the Lord, His Holy Spirit is within us and that as He is squeezed out, others should see the joy in our life, even in the midst of life's messes. And they should see the covering of the presence of God flowing through us in such a way that they're drawn to Jesus Christ. He wants to fill us with joy. And that's, that's also why we're called to serve one another. Paul, concerning the Holy Spirit, is very um, focused in on this point in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 14, he talks about not putting a stumbling block for others so that our actions, our ideas, our beliefs, our practices don't cause someone else to stumble, but rather that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says this about it, because there had been a debate in the church at Rome about what was proper, about the set of rules of what's the right thing and wrong thing to do regarding whether you would eat things sacrificed to an idol. And he says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. The Holy Spirit builds up the church. And here's the thing. When we go through times of trial, what our prayer should be is that when we're under pressure, when our life is squeezed, my prayer is is that what others will see is the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord flowing out of us. And then finally, the filling of the Holy Spirit is like electricity. Electricity is an incredible, wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing. But here's the deal. I have right here an electrical cord And it's designed to carry power. But right now, this cord, as far as powering anything, is absolutely 
worthless. Why? Because it's not plugged in. It's not connected to the power source so that the power can flow through it and into something else. The Holy Spirit, we have to be filled with him. We have to be plugged into his life through obedience, through surrender to him, to his will, his desire, his plan for our life so that he can power our life in a way that overflows. And here's the thing. If we truly understood the power and greatness of the Holy Spirit, we would be seeking to be filled more and more. Because here's the thing. I'm going to put up a picture of um, some hydroelectric power plants on a river. For instance, at Niagara Falls, there in the Niagara River between Canada and the United States, there are five hydroelectric plants. Those five turbines that take the water that flows through that plant before it goes over the falls, that is able to power 3.8 million homes. It produces a, a, an electric charge of 5 million kilowatts. That's a lot of power. But it's about this much compared to the Holy Spirit. He's the one who brings people into a relationship with Christ. He's the instrument, the spirit that was hovering over the surface of the deep when God spoke everything into existence. We have access to the greatest power source in all of the universe in the Holy Spirit. So we're designed to be plugged into him. And when we are plugged into him, everything changes. So the verses I read before, do not be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and what happens? Then these things begin to define our relationships with one another. We begin to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. From the Spirit flows the freedom to consider others as more important than ourselves. From the Holy Spirit comes the freedom to believe that God is working in the lives of others in ways that are equal to or even greater in the way that he's working in our heart and life. Which leads us to encourage, to strengthen, to build up, to pray for one another. And from that, it flows into every other aspect, every other relationship of our life. If we read on down in Ephesians chapter 5, we discover that from the Spirit comes the power for a husband to love his wife sacrificially as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. From the Holy Spirit comes the ability for a wife to respect and honor her husband, whether he really deserves it or not, because she's reflecting our love for Christ. From the Holy Spirit comes the power for us to have wisdom in parenting our children so as not to, to push them over into the area of wrath and frustration. From the Holy Spirit comes the wisdom to be able to serve in the workplace, both as an employee and as an employer. We need the Holy Spirit for absolutely everything. That's why this key verse is set in such a strategic place in the scripture. 
Well, last week, as we examined this, we started with the desire to be filled, that, that that's, that has to be the beginning point, and maybe that's where you are today. And if it is, all I would encourage you to do is just say, Lord, I don't even know if I desire this yet, but I want to want it. Start right there. I want to want more of you. Here's the thing. God is an infinite God. You can never have all that he has to offer. None of us can. There's always more to experience with God. We're going to spend eternity trying to discover the vastness, the wonder of who he is. And when we've been in eternity for what would be the equivalent from our time frame of hundreds of millions of years, we still will have only begun to discover the greatness of who he is because he is infinite. Secondly, as we explored last week, the direction of our life points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit always points towards Jesus Christ and points others to him as well. It's always about his will and not our will. And that's why we're to deny ourselves as Jesus denied himself. And when we do that, there should be a change that happens within us. Because you see, if I belong to, to Jesus Christ, if all that I am and all that I'll ever be is his, that means that everything he's given me belongs to him as well. One of the fruits that should be the outflow of the Holy Spirit living in us is a radical generosity and hospitality towards others. We should be cheerful givers, not because just because the scripture says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver, yes, we should, but we should be incredibly generous towards others because God has been so incredibly generous towards us. Let me encourage you, as, as Becky and I are a little more advanced in years, maybe than, than some of you, and we've gotten to see God's incredible faithfulness, we've discovered that there is absolutely no way to outgive God. The more we give away, the more he gives to give away. Because he's, he wants us to be channels of his blessing. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus Christ did all of his work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, he had complete power as God. He is fully God. But he chose to work in such a way that he worked in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why you see him continually going away to be with the Father, to be in prayer, because he's being refilled with the presence of the Lord. He's worshiping him. He's living a life of dependence. Jesus Christ, the creator of everything, chose to live dependent. When he tells us, apart from him, we can do nothing, this is what it means. So if I think I can do anything for God in my strength or mustering up my ability or my obedience, the wrong person is on the throne of my life. I need to be fully dependent upon Jesus Christ. The next part of that is that it needs to be a daily refilling. 
We see this pattern practiced in Jesus where he's slipping away to pray. Even as he teaches us to pray, he tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now he's talking about our physical needs, but he's also talking about something deeper. He's talking about how you and I need to be refilled every single day spiritually. We need to be continually filled with two things, with God's word and with God's spirit. When you look at the early church and and you, you see the disciples who at Jesus' death, they ran away. When Jesus is is being arrested, he's being beaten, the disciples scatter out of fear. Peter denies him there in the courtyard of the high priest, denies that he even knows him. And, And after Jesus is crucified, they are all hiding behind locked doors. They're fearful. But then when we pick up and we read about the the apostles and the members of the early church just a few pages, a few days later in Acts chapter two, we see radically different people. Why? Because two things happened to them. Number one, Jesus Christ showed them the truth of scripture. He spent 40 days showing them how all scripture points to him. And as they began to understand how everything that they had known, everything that they knew about their Jewish faith, everything that they knew about the word of God pointed to Jesus Christ, all the pieces began to come together and their faith was strengthened because of the word of God. And they continually nurtured themselves on God's word every single day. That's why we've provided the the scripture exploration guide. Um, And if you, you can still get that, Um, online if you you would like, or I have a copy here, but you need to be in God's word every single day. You need to discover and be refreshed with his word. But the second thing that happened to the disciples was the filling of the Holy Spirit, the transformation that the Holy Spirit did. He changed them from the inside out. He gave them a humility He gave them a gentleness and a boldness. That that sounds almost contradictory. But when we recognize that the power comes not from us, but from God, we can be humble and God can do great things. In fact, that's the only way it works. If I'm not humble, he won't do great things. But the Holy Spirit takes control over us when we've surrendered everything to him and he does amazing, amazing things. We need both the truth of Scripture and the transformation of the Spirit to live as followers of Jesus Christ and to be evidence to the people around us that Jesus Christ is alive. That brings us to the next point. The next point is that the filling of the Holy Spirit happens when we devote our hearts completely to God. The great commandment is You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Have you ever thought about why God commands us to do that? He commands us to do that because it is a reflection of his love for us. And it is only when he truly becomes the focal point of our life, when he becomes the deepest desire and devotion of our hearts, that we're free to really live. And we're free to worship. 
God commanded us that command because it reflects his two greatest gifts. The first gift is the gift of salvation, that God was willing to give all of himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He was willing to go to a cross bearing your sin and my sin and to, and to have every part of his life be crushed because of our sin, to even go through separation from the Father because of our sin. God gave all that he is, all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his strength, all of his life for us. As amazing, as incredible as the gift of salvation is, it is not the most personal gift that God gives us. It is a gift that we need absolutely. Without it, we can have no relationship with God. But the most intimate gift that God gives us is his Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the most personal act of the Godhead. It is the gift of God giving himself to us, to live within us, to make our hearts his home. And we have to receive it in a heart filled with love and desire for him. We are to love him with all that we are in order for us to truly know him, to truly be filled, and to learn to truly worship. Jesus said it this way, the hour is coming and now is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Those two things, the truth of God's word and the transformation of the Holy Spirit is what is required for us to truly express with all that we are, God, we love you which is exactly what worship is. Worship isn't music, it's not prayer, it's not preaching. Worship is expressing our love to God with all that we are. Spirit-filled worship is not defined by style or preference or by a gifted leader, although they can be very helpful. Um, true spirit-filled worship, however, is dependent upon us surrendering our heart and choosing to give all of our devotion to God. And that leads us to the next thing, that we not only have a devotion that loves God, but we learn to delight in what God delights in. And what does God delight in? In loving others. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it will always overflow into the lives of others. That's what Paul is talking about here when we're building one another up in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and submitting to one another and then all those relationships that flow from it. Here's the thing. There are six different verbal evidences of the filling of the Holy Spirit that we see here in Ephesians. The first one is this. It is encouragement. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, how you talk, what you say, the attitude that you have towards others is changed. And the verbal evidence of the Holy Spirit will come out in these ways. Number one, encouragement. Paul had this in mind when he says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When we come together, we are building up one another in the Lord. And, and, but notice that the direction of that focus, of that worship, is to God. We are to make melody to the Lord with your heart in verse 19. He is the focus, but the overflow is that you and I are encouraged. 
And I probably should just stop right now and we should sing because we would be more encouraged, but we'll get to that in just a minute. The next part is not just encouragement, where one another is built up, but worship and praise. When Paul says, singing and making melody with the Lord in the, um, to the Lord with your heart, he's writing about music. But since it's to the Lord, it's a focused, it's not just music, it is a focused expression of our heart. There's something about the creation of music that speaks deeper than words can speak. It's an imprint, I believe, of God's nature that he's given to us in the gift of music, where our mouths, our minds, our hearts are all able to come together in an expression that is beautiful. Not only is there worship and praise that that comes out of our mouth, but thanksgiving is the next thing that he says. Thanksgiving to God and for others. And then, as I mentioned before, that will result in submitting to one another, in showing honor to one another out of reverence for Christ. Being more interested in the needs of others is evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. But there's two more. If you turn over just a few pages, he picks up the theme of the Holy Spirit again after he talks about the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, he says this, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He gives two more verbal evidences of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Number one, prayer. And specifically, praying for others. Intercession for one another. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence should be there in our prayer life. In praying, not just for ourselves, but especially interceding for others. And the second one is proclaiming the glory of God. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we will tell others about Jesus. It should be the most natural thing that we do. There is great value in in learning apologetics, in, in learning how to answer difficult questions, but the greatest resource that we need to share our faith is not knowledge, but it is the filling of the Holy Spirit and obedience. When we're filled with him, he comes out. Praise to God comes out. Telling others about Jesus comes out. Proclaiming the good news of Jesus is evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. But you notice there he he had another phrase within it. He not only told us to pray, but he also said to keep alert with all perseverance. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is not the only influence on our life. In fact, John tells us to test the spirits. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we need to be discerning. We need the Lord to show us, to teach us. So that we don't just go off of every impression that we have, but we weigh it based upon the truth of God's word and the transformation of the spirit. 
and we seek to know his heart and his will.